0: Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herff Jones. Varsity Brands. Elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our Platinum sponsors. Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs. Bring student achievements to life. Thank you to all of our great sponsors. Welcome to another session of the Educational AD, Best Practices for School-Based Athletic Directors and Coaches. Hey, welcome back everyone to the Educational Athletic Director podcast. Our guest today is Keisha Brown, Keisha's a certified athletic administrator, and she's currently the assistant AD at the Galloway School in Atlanta. Uh, She also has a tremendous background in uh, professional sports, and she's also a very successful business entrepreneur. So Keisha, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Jake. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, hey, definitely our pleasure. Well, as you know, the life of an AD is uh, very busy, so we're going to jump right into things. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about uh, where you grew up, where you went to school, and, and how you got started in athletics.
1: Well, um, I am an original Georgia Peach, as they would say, uh, born and raised here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I actually went to two high schools, went to Mays High School, which is an APS school in Atlanta, and I ended up transferring to Woodbury Academy my junior and my senior year. So I'm a graduate of Wootward Academy. Uh, And then I got a uh, basketball scholarship to play for the University of Georgia. And um, I guess I'll say before that, after I left, let me back up. As I I leave uh, high school, heading into college, um, I was awarded the uh, National Player of the Year alongside Kobe Bryant. So it's, it's one of the two uh, gifts that, that, um, that I'm very, very humble and, and um, you know, to receive and to talk about every time we, we get into that conversation. So um, he and I, you know, we met super early, you know, when we were 16, 17 years old, going through that whole press junket of, of being the, quote, unquote, best player in the nation in 1996. So whereas he went pro, I went to the uh, University of Georgia and uh, actually spent five years there. I was injured eight games into my uh college year and I had a torn ACL. Um and during my recovery, my torn ACL, I actually um had a um fracture in my in my knee. So all that just caused me to be non-weight bearing for some time. Um so in doing that, I just really got a chance to learn um, you know, the nuances of what it takes just to be an athlete, an all-around athlete. Um, so I was at Georgia for five years, and after being at Georgia for five years, the WNBA had just established itself in 1996, so it was, it was out for about, uh, yeah, about four, four years at that time. And I said, why not? I'm going to give it a shot. So I talked to Coach Landers, um, and he made a phone call for me uh, to the WNBA office, and at the time they were doing combines, and I got invited to the combine. Um, I did not get drafted, which a lot of people don't realize, I was not drafted coming out of college. And so um, I had to go into a free agency camp and try it out with the LA Sparks. So I didn't make my first team I actually got cut from the LA Sparks and um, went overseas. So my professional basketball started overseas in Santa Spain. From there, you kind of fast forward 10 years. I played in about seven different countries, including Spain, France, Italy, uh, excuse me, Spain, France, Czech Republic, Israel, Russia. um, And I know I'm missing one right now. Um, It's not coming to me. And then about eight years in the WNBA with DC, New York, Houston, LA, uh, Tulsa, Connecticut, um, and then Chicago on paper. So. I played in WNBA or just my incompletion, I played for 11 years professional basketball before um, I just had the opportunity to sit down and, and I would say birth my new career. Um, for a lot of professional athletes, it's always a struggle of finding work when you're off the court. And they say normally it takes uh, a year or more to find work. Well, I wanted to do it in nine or 10 months. So that's why I say I, I had to rebirth my career, and finding the opportunity. I knew I, I love kids, and I love the, the school calendar as it presents itself. Um, it was a win-win situation. So it was finding the right fit um, at, at Galloway, and, and I got the opportunity to be at Galloway and, and the 80 at the time, Jim Hillary, he took a risk on me with me, and uh, he made me assistant athletic director. And now I'm actually walking into my third year as athletic director for K-8. through Well,
0: I I want to get to that in just a second, but going back to uh, your basketball career, what a great experience coming out of college, being able to travel the world and then come back to the United States. Uh, I know you won a championship uh, with France. what would be, let's say, your top two uh, experiences, either playing or otherwise, from that whole period of being a professional athlete?
1: Um, let me see. My top two experiences, I definitely can say, you know, ten years overseas and then finally winning a, a league championship with the French team um, was really something you can, you can hold high, because essentially it was my only championship in my whole professional career. You know, I have made the playoffs, and. Um, you know, you go in and play in certain tournaments that they had professionally over there. But that that was definitely by far one of the, um, you know, I was at the peak of my career and being able to win that championship. And I, I say probably the second biggest takeaway with all that is just the culture and being able to adjust. Um, you know, obviously in this world right now, we're pivoting big time. But just being able to adjust um, and not taking things as, probably hard to say, but you know, more or less gathering information, understanding what's there before we make sound decisions. Like, you know, not making emotional decisions because a lot of times conflict comes out of miscommunication. And so, you know, being able to, you know, I'm I'm pretty fluent in Spanish. I spent six years in Spain, so I was able to basically do a lot of um, altering of my contracts or whatever once I got to Spain because I was just able to have those conversations with the general managers and the owners.
0: Okay. Again, tremendous uh, tools to have. All right. You landed at Galloway. Um, What was the, let's say, the athletic culture there for a student athlete when you arrived? And has it changed? And have you had an impact on that?
1: Oh, man. So... (laughs) The, the culture at Galloway, Galloway historically, right now is, is, was known as a very artistic school, very big in theater, liberal arts. And so there was always that need or that nudge to get athletics really going to fit the stage, if you will, of the, the liberal arts program there at Galloway. And so um, there was an opening for the uh, varsity girls basketball job. And so, you know, as Jim Hillary and I talked, you know, he wanted to be able to, to catapult a sport. And, you know, he thought that at the time, and I'm glad he did, that I was the best fit for the job just to be able to catapult uh, women's basketball uh, at at Galloway. And so uh, actually Jim Hillary left and we had another AD come in and he he's a basketball junkie. So it just, it worked this way out where we just kept trying to just build the overall athletics program as a whole but also sell the community on it's more than just basketball. We're trying to build baseball, trying to build volleyball, trying to build all these sports equally so that we can have a dominant sports program and it not just be one sport. Um, And so a lot of the challenges is being able to find coaches that are going to be there consistently enough to see the rough patches for the beautiful flowers in the end. And so, you know, our challenge is is being able to keep coaches near to us that can um, get that type of relationship with with the student athletes for them to be able to have that. So that's the biggest thing that we work on.
0: You know, we are uh, very blessed. in My school in Tallahassee, McClay, almost every single one of our varsity head coaches, our program leaders, teaches uh, or works at the school. So they're there every day. They see the kids. How do you work to develop that sort of a system at Galloway?
1: Well, you know, every athletic department, every school has this. You know, you have your wish list and you have your asks. And so, you know, I've been saying this because we have three um, really good sports now. Well, four. So, we have girls basketball, boys basketball, cross country, and track and field. And cross country and track and field are headed by the same coach and those sports are successful, it's because the coaches are there. And so they see the kids more than just two hours a day during practice. You know, they can kind of get the pulse of what the school is going through. And, you know, every year my ask is we have to get teacher coaches in that are willing to teach and spend that extra three or four hours, you know, in the afternoon of being able to build a program, be close to a program, um, and willing to see it through and make it their own.
0: Let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, COVID. Um, you know, it's been around all spring. It's uh, hanging around this summer and into the fall. Um, and again, our state, your state, Georgia, my state, Florida. You know, uh, approach athletics a little bit differently. Uh, in Florida, our state association does not uh, regulate summer activities. In Georgia, uh, your association does. Um, in Florida we have it's we're calling it the Wild West you know what's happening in my area in the panhandle which is closer to you mm-hmm. than it is to the other end of my state uh, Miami Dade uh, south Florida they're operating completely differently so we understand that there's no one size fits all but what are some things that y'all did at Galloway this spring in response to covid with your athletes your coaches and what are you doing right now as far as summer conditioning? And, again, just laser focus on Galloway. What are you anticipating doing this fall?
1: Well, in the spring, um, you know, our leadership team uh, that, I'm, that I'm included on, we were having 7 a.m., 6.30 meetings when, when COVID basically touched down in the southeastern region. And so, you know, it became real. And, obviously, it's one thing for it to touch base in Washington State it's another thing to matriculate over to the Southeastern region and how everybody's gonna go about doing this. And so, you know, from the beginning it's, you try to collaborate with partner schools, um, with other county schools, you try to see what everybody's doing. So, you know, within that community, everybody's making a sound decision that, that, that's, that's best for one, their community as a school, as Galloway, and then as a community in the neighborhood. And so when um, our head of school decided that it was just time to to shut down, um, you know, he had to make that call. And so, you know, like I said, it's just really hard for it to, it hits home. And now we're sitting at almost six months where you have kids that haven't been in school. And this is probably the longest time that kids have never been in school once they've started. So, you know, you can see some of the anxiety um, that some of these kids may have, some depression that may form. Um, and especially with them wanting to be a part of sports. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's really, obviously it's something that none of us have ever seen before. And we're all walking new steps every single day. And the thing is to be able to do it together. Um, and I think a lot of it is just that discipline that, you know, I think I have as an athlete, what I try to spill over to, to, to my girls is being disciplined in the small things. If it's wearing masks, if it's staying close to home, washing your hands, um, you know, just understanding who we are around and, and just what overall numbers project. Um, so I, I try to talk to them about the discipline of it all. Um, we had not had a chance to be together. Um, myself and my coaching staff, we've, we've done a good job of, we've had a couple of Zoom meetings, but I'm not one for, for quantity. I'm one for quality. So we've only had maybe two Zoom meetings. Um, we're actually going to go for a hike this weekend. So we'll go out to a huge park and we'll hike up Amacola Falls. So this will be the first time that I'll see them um, since March. So you know, it's one of those things where you have to kind of keep in touch with them um, to where the kids know that that outside of their parents and their family, that you still you have an extended family in basketball and that and that they care. And so you know, just getting phone calls from the parents saying, you know, thank you to our coaching staff for just either texting or calling some kind of way of just keeping in contact with the girls. It's been really good for them. It's been really good for their morale. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, just so important to maintain those connections uh, between coach and team and and teammates. Mm -hmm. Um, You've alluded to it a little bit. Let's go and talk about uh, leadership and mentoring. Um, Who have been some of the key mentors in your life both personal and professional
1: well i've got a lot of i've got a lot of categories for that one um, so i'll say when i first started for basketball it was uh Teresa edwards and she's uh, a five-time olympian um three gold, silver and a bronze for, for basketball one of the the highly acclaimed basketball players in the world so she actually helped me get my professional start as being a professional basketball player the nuances of it and a lot of people don't understand that it is more of a business than it is actual playing the game of basketball and so as soon as you learn how to handle your money how to handle people how to be in meetings um you know we fly a lot we travel a lot so a lot of times at a certain point in time you might need to create a will you know a lot of people don't have wills at at 30 years old, 20, you know, 28, 30 years old. So a lot of those things are important on the back end that we don't really see when we're younger and we're just playing basketball, playing basketball. So she was definitely a big influence in my life. Um, once I got into the, the the world and the business acumen, my I call her my second mother, um, my stepmother Scarlett. She actually uh, sat me down and just kind of showed me how to network. So her helped me just to network with certain people um, just being outside in the Atlanta area, you know, it's all about connections when you get into the business world. So she, she had a little bit to do with that. Um, you know, as far as mentoring from the AD level, uh, Josh Burr was very good for me when we started out at Galloway, cause he was the AD at Galloway before myself and, and coach Tulo took over. So he was really helpful, um, and learning how to navigate through parent emails, conversations, um, how to develop programs, um, you know, and and the different types of leaderships. So, I mean, we have the laissez-faire leadership, we have that anarchy leadership. So it's so many different types of leaderships, and me kind of forming into my own, and how I want to be able to project that to our constituents in the Galloway community. So um, he was really big for me, and now I've reached out to a couple of uh, ads, um, you know, in the city of Atlanta. Uh, to just kind of get their word, and I'll I'll just call them and, and just say, hey, I just want to know what you're thinking. Like, what are we thinking in this process? So I talked to Jose Fernandez at Woodward Academy, Mike Emery at Pidea, Candice Mitchell and and Jasper uh, Jewell at APS. So I'm starting to really formulate those connections, and that's all attributed to all of my you know mentors in each category that I've had to you know kind of kind of live through. For that for example.
0: No, there's no question in our world of athletic administration, the networking uh, is out there. uh, And I think it's a very giving network. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell our listeners about Bankshot Basketball.
1: (laughs) So Bankshot Basketball was based basically on my professional career. So a lot of people don't realize when when I first started playing in 2002, I, I showed my age. Uh, 2001, actually, in the WNBA, a minimum check was $28,000. And so a lot of people think, oh, man, you become a professional athlete, like money's just going to fall from the sky. It doesn't, (laughs) especially for women's basketball. You know, they made a good contract uh, coming in this year with a collective bargaining agreement. But before then, you know, we have to compensate our income by going overseas. That's why you see so many young women they go overseas because they can make up to three to four times the money that they will make here in the States. And so when I realized what was going on and the fallacy that a lot of these young kids have, the dreams that they have to become a professional athlete, um, professional artists, whatever the case may be, they don't realize the jobs that are just as lucrative on the side of professional athletes. And so my job was to be able to expose them to those careers alongside a professional athlete. So in actuality, it really had nothing to do with being a professional athlete or an entertainer. It was about those jobs that are less wear and tear in your body, right? And if you put the education beforehand and you understand where these finances go, then that, those small wheels are gonna lead, the big wheels are gonna lead you to, you to a great retirement. So having these kids learn how to spend money, you don't need to buy a boat because you have the money for it. You don't need to buy four cars when you can only drive one at a time. you don't need to buy a big house and you're not going to live in it. So, you know, those things like that. And, and, you know, we incorporated it into a regular old basketball camp day. So, you know, we would have a timeout at camp and the kids would have, um, kind of like little play wristbands. And then the color was the denomination of money. And so when they had a timeout, they would go around and I had my coaches be salesmen. And they would try to get these kids to go sell them a car, sell them a, a vacation, sell them a boat that goes with a house on the lake, um, shoes, you know, the, all, the, all the, the gadgets, the PlayStations, the, the, the NBA 2K20, all of those things. We put those out there. And so, um, you know, it was really eye-opening for a lot of kids. And it was a lot of fun for us because we also had a chance to learn what they were thinking. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I uh, checked it out. It uh, looks like a really, really cool program. Thank you. I um, want to pick your brain just for a little bit. Uh, certainly this uh, spring, uh, and you know, in, in your area, Atlanta, too, uh, social issues you know, came to a forefront. Um, what are some things that we can do as athletic administrators to do a better job? Okay? How can we do better?
1: well you know everybody's saying is have the conversation but in order to have the conversation you have to create the conversation in order to create the conversation you got to put yourself out there and and i think that at the time when everything happened and and we had all the protests break out um you know most of my community is is a white community and and so they're very welcoming they're very loving um and at the same time you have some of the young black kids at our school who may have been confused. Even some of the kids of, of other other races, they were confused. They didn't know why. They they had never heard, you know, why is this going on? And so my message, particularly to um, my program, to my kids, eighth grade and up, I wrote them an email and I included the the, the parents on it, was understanding the why. So, you know, at a time where it's let's just say the thing to do to go out and to protest and to be a part of the crowd. And we're still living in Corona. Um, let's understand why we're going out. So I encourage my kids and I attach links to it. Understand uh, the Women's Voting Rights Act. You know this is the reason why. Understand the Civil Rights Act. This is the reason why. Understand the March from from Selma to uh, Montgomery for us to get for blacks to get voting rights in '69. So if we can research that why and understand the place that we are now, it it will give them a better awareness. And I think all of it is just awareness. I've attributed the year 2020 to perfect vision. Everything is going to get exploited. Everything is going to get seen. And it's up to us to be able to see it. It is the year of clarity. Um, That's that's what I try to share with my kids. And anytime I get into a conversation with, with anyone that, you know, wants to have that conversation, let's have it and let's understand that our differences will be different. Um, but we have to see perspective and not think that one side is right. It's it's all about perspective.
0: Appreciate you sharing. Let's uh, shift gears. Um, what are some of your favorite things about your job at Galloway? What gets you excited about coming to school in the morning?
1: I can honestly say I think my dog's about to start barking. I can only see, I can honestly say I probably worked five days in eight years, honestly. Um, and and those, those times are, when those days I've had to work, I've really had to work. I just enjoy the energy. I'm a high energy person. Um, so when I, when, I, when I get on campus, I'm ready to go. Um, whatever challenges are there, I'm ready to take it. Uh, and then there are a lot of times that I have to force myself to sit down But I think that the thing I love most about my job is that there's no monotony. Um, I started work when I was young. My uncle owns a uh, security business in Atlanta. And every morning I was in the office, 8 o'clock to 5 o'clock. I was in the office. That's how I learned how to make coffee. That's probably the reason why I drink coffee. But it was the same thing every day. So I knew early on I did not want to be in the office. Now I'm in the office, but I still, you know, by 2 o'clock, I'm up and I'm ripping and running until about seven or eight. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's never any monotony. Um, You meet so many different people for so many spectrums. Personalities are different. One email is never the same from the next. Um, So I appreciate that it's not monotonous.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I still remember my dad told me when I was very young and I ended up sharing it with my three kids. uh, He said the secret to uh, a happy life is finding something that you love to do and then convincing somebody else to pay you to do that. You know, sounds, <laughs> like, right. sounds like you did that. I know I certainly did.
1: That's right. I had someone, uh, Jim Herley, told me, he said, where else can you go? You can be outside in the springtime in beautiful air for track, and you're sitting down watching kids run on of track, and you actually get paid for it. Exactly.
0: Right. exactly. Well, Keisha, this has just been wonderful. I could listen to you for a lot longer, but we've kind of come to the end of our program. And we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. You are a veteran AD, and now you're getting ready to send a brand new athletic director out to their first job. Mm -hmm. You're going to be giving them a toolbox, but I'm only going to let you put three things in it. What is going to go in Keisha Brown's toolbox?
1: Well, first one for sure is patience, if that's a thing. I'm going to put patience in there. I definitely like to to put in there the last 80s past emails in there. So they'd be my past, e- a, uh, my past emails for the next AD. That was given to me in you know a will, if you could say. So that's always helpful. And um, I think the third thing would just be the willingness and humility for continuous learning. Um, just never stop learning. I think I'll learn more now than I did in school. So just a willingness to continue to learn.
0: All right. Great, uh, great advice. Well, that's it for our interview today. Uh, I encourage everyone to uh, check out Bankshot Basketball. Uh, and uh, Keisha, best of luck and, and thanks for being with us today.
1: Thanks, Jake. I appreciate you having me. All
0: right. Uh, come back for another episode of the Educational AD. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Educational AD podcast. I want to remind you that the Zoom recording of this interview is also available on YouTube on the Educational AD channel. Thanks again for listening.